Hey everyone, welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Lincoln Shrike. And on today's show, we have Nia Akins, the year's top NCAA 800 meter runner. She announced last week that she's turning pro with the Brooks Beast. Nia, thank you so much for hopping on. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's, it's our pleasure. I know we caught you right as you moved from the Northeast to the Northwest in Seattle. Mm -hmm. What are your, what are your first impressions of your, your new home there? I really like it. The weather is a lot nicer. Um, <laughs> I really like that. It's like 60, 70 degrees all the time. Um, it was getting, um, less and less fun by the day training in Philly in the 90 degree weather. So the weather is nice. Um, despite what people say about Seattle. <laughs> yeah. And I'm wondering yeah, why. Why the Brooks Beast? I know they don't have a, a women's 800 reader runner specifically that you can train with. Can you tell me a little bit about the process of why you decided to, to join that team? Yeah, um, I looked at all of the options more holistically um, and kind of considered, you know, what the brand had to offer and what the environment had to offer. Um, everybody knows that I do have a nursing interest and um, Brooks from the beginning just basically verbalize that they're, that they're willing to work with me if I do want to pursue nursing um, on the as well on the side. And um, they also have another, like a couple of really cool opportunities um, within the brands. Like they do internships in the fall for their athletes within the company. Um, so I think it's, it's just a great opportunity for me to enter the pro world and learn a lot about it um, really quickly because I do have the opportunity to work with all aspects of the brand really closely here. Um, and I came to visit in the fall and I absolutely loved all of the girls here. There definitely aren't, um, there isn't a true 800 meter runner, as you were saying, but, um, I do benefit more so from having people around for strength workouts, like 15 and up, and they have plenty of those girls here. So, um, I definitely will have training partners and we will be well taken care of. So I'm excited. As far as we know, you're the first 2020 collegiate to sign a professional shoe sponsor contract, you know, after the coronavirus shortened everybody's season. Can you discuss some of like the roadblocks specifically? I know you said you were being courted back in the fall, but you know, how challenging it was after March when indoors was canceled and the rest of the outdoor season canceled. How, how challenging was it to make this decision and to sign a deal, you know, given all the restrictions and, and, you know, maybe brands tightening their belts a little bit. What, what was that process like for you? Yeah, it was pretty challenging because I did have honestly visits set up kind of during the outdoor season and I just couldn't really go on those visits, but the places that I did visit, I felt pretty strongly about. Um, and like Brooks was obviously one of those places. So I, I didn't really see myself really falling in love with another place. And I really just wanted to focus on the options that I had um, visited and I, and I knew everything about them. Um, so that was kind of, I think that was the biggest roadblock is kind of not really seeing all the places that I wanted to look, but I did get the opportunity to see my top two or three, which are the ones that I prioritized. Um, so I think, you know, when all the chips fell, um, it worked out pretty well. I think another thing that honestly was kind of worked more in my favor was just having a lot of time to decide what I wanted to do. Um, obviously with the season, um, shaping up the way that it would have been with NCs and then Olympic trials right after signing probably would have fell in between that time. So I had a lot of time to really think about the decision I was making and coming to Brooks and moving and everything like that, which I think 
really helped with my decision and helped me feel really confident in my decision too. So there were some benefits to it. <laughs> you mentioned your, your nursing degree that you got from the University of Penn. Can you tell me how you want to, I know you're going to be focusing on being a professional athlete, but what, what's your future as a nurse? And like, will you do any work on the side as, as you're pursuing your running career? Like, what are your plans for, for, I don't want to say your primary career, but what you got your degree in from, from school? Yeah, that's the goal is to definitely work as a nurse um, alongside running professionally. But I definitely wanted to make sure that I figured out this portion first, because obviously I want to be with the team and I want to be at practice and stuff like that. And nursing shifts are, are a little, they're slightly more flexible, but they do take up a lot of time during the day. Um, so I wanted to, to start slow, really get acclimated to the environment and my surroundings and, and the team and training and everything. And then eventually add a nursing job on top of that, which might start off being part-time um, and just see if I can handle it and go from there. So, yeah. <laughs> why is that, I mean, why, why is that so important to you? Is it because you're looking at your future post-career or, or nursing in particular is something that you're just extremely passionate about? Like, wh Why do you wanna continue it at the same time? Um, you are so good at this at this running thing. Yeah, it is something that I'm extremely passionate about, but nursing is very similar to track in that like if you if you're not in the hospital and you're not dipping your toes in the clinical environment that you're you're kind of losing a lot of skills um, and like mm -hmm. over time that kind of adds up and then, you know, it gets harder to come back um, when you're when you are ready. So I'm trying to be cognizant of that and trying to figure out a way for me to still be in the clinical environment and practice those skills. So when it is time for me to switch over to nursing full-time, I'm not completely um, murdered by the, <laughs> by the expectations and by the schedule and everything, so. Mm -hmm. I wanna go back to the, the indoor season after the, the meet was canceled. I think it was a couple of weeks later, I talked to uh, Steve Dolan, the coach there at Penn, and he mentioned how well you handled that whole season or that whole, that whole trip to Albuquerque and pointed to the fact that you were a nursing major. So you more than anybody was equipped to know a lot about what was going on with the pandemic, but you were such a big favorite. I, I can't believe there wasn't just a, some disappointment in there. Can you take me through your thought process from when you were touching down in Albuquerque through maybe the week after the stages that you went through um, emotionally knowing that, that your indoor and outdoor seasons, one where you would presumably at least have have one title maybe more um weren't gonna happen yeah. this year yeah coach Dillon doesn't give himself enough credit he was he handled the situation very well too <laughs> and I think so did my trainer and everyone around me we were all just cracking jokes and making light of the situation which made it a lot better um because we had just landed um when we heard the news and I think all of us had a million notifications on our phones and we were like this can't be good um, but we kind of knew on the way there that that, that decision was looming. Um, so it was definitely hard to, to find out, especially when we were walking through the airport and like there were all the signs like welcome NCAA track and, um, and, and everything like that. But I think, I mean, when the chips all, I mean, when the dust all settled, I kind of realized and Coach Dolan helped me realize too that like I was in a really good spot going into it and, and I didn't. I felt like from a training standpoint, we were further along than we were for BU. Um, so it kind of helped me honestly train through all of quarantine up to now um, 
to stay focused and and try and and try and get gear up and get ready for next year because I felt like I had more on the table, which I think is is almost more refreshing and more satisfying uh, from a training standpoint than thinking like, you know, that that was it and that was my moment. I have to keep believing that it's hopefully in the future. So yeah. Nia, I read last night your your article in Runner's World that you wrote about the the time recently where you were racially discriminated against and, you know, kind of had a scary moment in the park. And given the reckoning that the kind of the world is going through, especially our country right now with, you know, racial bias and mistreatment of African-Americans, I'm wondering what, how you've processed the whole, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and what you think, you know, the how the track community can kind of be a beacon going forward. And, and, and given that there is so many African-Americans in the sport like yourself, I'm just wondering what, what you think your role in other African-Americans and everyone's role is and maybe showing the world how we can improve things like that. Cause I, and I, I asked that just because you, you compared it to running. So it felt yeah. natural to think like, well, what can track and field do given our high African-American and minority representation in the, in the sport? Yeah, yeah. I think I mentioned, and like you said, and I think Mariel Hall and her Runners World article um, before compared it to running as well. And it's just, I think we're very used to being uncomfortable. Um, we have to do it every single time we toe the line. And this is a situation that calls for a lot of discomfort. Um, so I think naturally it makes sense for runners and their respective communities um, outside of running and within running to kind of take charge on this situation and, and kind of help navigate other people feeling uncomfortable and support them through this and have conversations with people, um, you know, tell people, you know, how important it is to vote, which I know like for some is another un, um, uncomfortable conversation and, and, you know, kind of address, you know, what's honestly, what's racist and what's anti-racist. Cause the reality is, is, is kind of being in the middle, just, it doesn't work. Um, so it's just super important that, you know, we're having these conversations and, and we're being actively anti-racist right now and, and always, but especially looking forward to the future. I know you can experience racism anywhere that you live, but, you know, you talked about that specific moment. And, and I'm curious if shifting from the East Coast to the West Coast had anything to do with, you know, maybe a, a, a different scene you wanted to experience I, I, I not saying that one city is worse than the other but but you know was moving out there was the thinking maybe that that you would have different experiences in seattle than you would in in possibly philadelphia um i definitely came out here for like i think a huge part of it was the fact that it is a new adventure um especially with with covid and everything i think me staying in Philly just just kind of grew a little stale um, over time, um, quite frankly, because um, a lot did happen there um, within the past several months. Um, and I think on top of, you know, COVID and then and then the Black Lives Matter movement and everything kind of stacking up on top of that, it did. It was really refreshing to come out here. But um, these are problems everywhere, no matter where you go. And I really anticipated that being no different here, especially in Seattle. Um, so yes and no, if that makes sense. <laughs> Nia, typically in these interviews, like the first interview that you give when you turn pro and Link and I have done several now, and I'm sure you've watched them. It's like, well, what event are you going to focus on? What do you think your PR is going to be? And now we're, we're jumping into the pandemic and 
you know, all the, 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 the protest, do you consider yourself, I mean, at this point, like, do you feel like this was good timing because now I have this platform to speak about these, these issues, you know, COVID and this, this systemic racism in the United States, or is, is part of you, you're, you're so young, you have, you know, your whole career in front of you. How do you, how are you balancing all that's going on right now? You just finished college and, and the world is, is, is shifting right now so dramatically. Yeah, um, I don't think there's ever really a good time for anything that's that's been going on right now. But I think the fact that they are all happening together, um, you know, it's just kind of, it, I think it is helpful that they are kind of happening at the same time. Um, but I think with respect to me graduating this year, um, I think kind of depending on what next year looks like, I mean, that could that could have been a blessing, that could have been a curse. I don't know. I think um, I mentioned earlier that like the one thing that really bothered me about this year is I just don't think that I'll ever see all of my friends in college like in the same space mm -hmm. ever again, um, just because graduation is pretty much the only time that that really happens. Um, but I mean, I know that I'll still be in touch with with my closest friends and we'll continue to talk. So I, and, you know, we have technology now and, and everything like that. So I'm not. I'm not too upset about it, um, but yeah, it's definitely tough to navigate because I felt like at the beginning of quarantine, it was it was definitely the track community that was really struggling because um, athletics were kind of one of the first things to go, and then obviously with COVID, it was nurses, and then now it's just it's just Black Americans and Black people, honestly, everywhere. So I just felt like it was like hit after hit. Um, but I mean, I do have a really great support system in Philly and coming here, there's no, no difference, honestly, I have a really great support system here. So I really think we'll come out of this stronger and the communities that I'm a part of will come out of this smarter too. So I'm excited. Did you consider, I know it would have been tricky to do it at Penn because of Ivy Leagues giving the, the extra year of eligibility, but did you consider using an extra year of of eligibility and running next outdoor season was that ever a thought in your mind honestly it was it was not maybe i, I toyed with the idea like a little bit but i kind of mm -hmm. in my mind was thinking two years of transitioning um to one from this program to another one and then um like from there to pro because eventually the goal was to was to go pro and i just you know, at the time I wanted to be optimistic that the Olympics would happen in 2021, but just also like just being protective of that, um, just definitely wanted to have a, more of a cohesive transition. Um, and Coach Dolan has been absolutely great in, in communicating with Coach Mackey um, and, and the transition has been really smooth between the two of them. Um, so I'm really excited about that aspect and, and training moving forward. And I like the fact that, you know, this is it from here on out. I don't have to worry about moving around again and transitioning because mm -hmm. um, I think that's when it gets dicey and that's that's when injuries um, I'm at a higher risk for those obviously so yeah are you optimistic that you'll be able to race this season are you thinking proceeding as if like later this summer you'll you'll have a chance to travel to to track meets or I, I don't want to put you on the spot just because you're a nurse acting like you have your like dr. fauci or anything but I, I'm you know you do have that expertise. <laughs> So I'm wondering, like, are you thinking it's a likelihood that it's going to be safe for athletes to travel and compete this summer, later this summer? Yeah, um, 
I am optimistic, honestly, that there will be opportunities. I don't know if if the safety will be any different than it is now. So I think it's just kind of a matter of like weighing the, the risks and benefits of racing right now. Because um, if there were opportunities in this present moment, honestly, I don't think I would take them. Um, but I did schedule to take my, my boards, my like NCLEX in August, um, at the end of August. And, you know, I've been thinking about maybe I should move it because maybe there might be racing around that time. So. So we'll see. Um, I might take it a little earlier. <laughs> so yeah, kind of optimistic if I'm doing that. <laughs> I, I know 2019 was kind of your breakout year uh, as far as being, you know, close to winning two national titles and running consistently, running at USA's. What What is it that's clicked for you this last year and a half to where you've really elevated yourself from a strong 800-meter runner to now like a, a someone who's going to be capable of competing on the international stage? Yeah, I think for 2019, it kind of clicked for me, like as everyone knows, like kind of at the middle of the year, literally at NCAAs in the finals, um, which is kind of a, it's a blessing that it clicked at that time because I did really well, but also like, man, if it had clicked sooner in the season, maybe I could have, you know, come in with that mentality and had a better performance. And I think that's the difference between 2019 and 2020 is I came into the cross country season just with the mentality of, you know, I can be competing with the best, you know, I'm going to make a run for for the third spot or um, at the Olympic trials and, and just really go for it this year and see what I can accomplish and, you know, set some big goals from the beginning um, versus in the middle of the year. And I think um that's made a huge difference and you know every single time i towed the line at practice and that just translates to racing so i think that was the biggest difference for me it was coming in with a different mentality did you choose penn because of the nursing program I did yeah and the people honestly when i came to visit um because it's not a scholarship school um all of the people that are on the team they just they just do it because they love it and i think I really liked that aspect of it too. Um, just everybody is there. Everybody that stays on the team and, and sticks around and is a part of our and is a part of our program. They're they're really for Pinchak and they're really for our program. So I think that aspect of it really sold me on the school. But I did come for the nursing school. <laughs> you were two oh eight in in high school was your your best time, I believe, all the way down to to two flat in just three years at college. How did you? what's the what's the reasoning behind that because certainly there's women who came into college with faster high school times than you how did you how did you get down there so quickly um honestly i don't i wish i could tell you really great team <laughs> mates and really great coaching i think um coach dolan has been um, very helpful and very flexible with my schedule i think is was a huge part of it um and just having really supportive teammates and and just the opportunities that i did have because um you know it is it is an ivy league school and i felt like when things came together when i was you know mentally ready physically ready physically not exhausted i was like this is the time to strike and i think it really made me when i did have the opportunities really take advantage of them um mm -hmm. and i you know i continue to set bigger goals each year um which is helpful too so yeah it's no secret that the u.s is the strongest country in the world in the the women's 800 uh, obviously with ajay and raven and, and you know hannah green's also been great the u.s final last year that you were in you had to run 158 to make the team uh what do you think you need to 
improve on to be able to to get to that level and to you know where you're able to run that 158 after three rounds like what is it that you're looking to uh work on i guess the most going forward as you step into the the pro scene yeah um i think definitely like having the strength to do that is really important i think last year at usa's i was like to run a a third eight the third one so i think um just being ready for for that and being able to handle that well and you know potentially pr run faster than the first two like that's something that i really need to be able to do so um i think that really is where strength comes in um and that's something that i'm working on building so yeah i i saw on your instagram you you know you seemed like you were bumped to you you had posted about your last taps and you know not getting to run that outdoor meet we hear it all the time but what what is the magic of the heps meet that maybe outsiders people not in the ivy league like don't understand because to, to outsiders yeah. looking in it's like it's a conference meet right it's but it, but it seems like it's more right. than that what is it with the ivy league and and that that championship it is more than that um i think especially indoor heps just because it's indoor track and the environment is just contained um all the excitement and energy it's just I think the, all of the Ivy League schools, when we come together, it's more of like a family competing, if that makes sense. Um, so you kind of get, like if you were to sit down and play Scrabble with your family, it's it's just very similar to that, just on a larger scale. Um, everybody's just, just really supportive of one another and it's very, very loud. Um, and it's just, it's just hard to explain. Um, the energy is just contagious and it just breeds great performances just because you know everybody there is, is there to support you and and it's just a lot of fun honestly um especially obviously for for pen track we've been doing pretty well there for the past couple of years so it's been even more fun but um but yeah it's just it's just the family aspect of it and um i think we we joke all the time that we're one ivy it, it does get very competitive I'm, i'd be remiss not to say that but we really are kind of like one team at the end of the day and i think um that aspect of, of the Ivy League shows the most when we come together to compete the Habs, So, Which school do you enjoy beating the most from the Ivy League? <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. Um, well, I can't say Cornell. Us. We, went, we went to the UK with Cornell. Um, oh. <laughs> maybe <laughs> Princeton. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> Princeton. <I don't> <laughs> Who were your, who are your idols if you had any within within track growing up? Because you certainly had there were a lot to choose from. Because American mid distance running was really good during the time that I'm assuming you began running, or at least were running at a high level enough to envision yourself having having a career. Who did you who did you idolize growing up? Yeah, I think um, a big one for me because this is kind of when I started to really get into track and field and watch it more competitively, especially um, NCAA at the time because I was I was entering college and that would be like Raven Rogers. Um, mm. I just remember like watching her just completely like dominate every single NCAA um, and just it's so hard to do and so underrated I think even now. But um, I think I definitely have spent a lot of time just kind of watching her kind of go through um ncs and and do it really well and i think that was really inspiring and really motivating for me coming into um coming into college because i think you know like if somebody can do that then like the sky's the limit if that makes sense um so it was just kind of 
it kind of helped me come in and, and really dream big and aim high because I think um, she even mentions that, you know, it, it seemed crazy to win as a freshman, but she did it. So I, I kind of thought, you know, like it's probably it'd be crazy to win from a school that just like doesn't really have an NCAA champion, but, you know, it doesn't hurt to try. Like it, it could happen. So, yeah. We ask this, it seems like, of every athlete who runs a huge PR at the Boston track because it's legendarily so fast. But to you, what what made that track so special on the day, the day you ran uh, the two flat 71? Um, yeah, honestly, probably the track is very, probably very fast. I mean, I, I ran fast on it, but um, the the people, um, it was a pretty stacked field um, and it was really fun to toe the line with them. I kind of knew going into it, I was like, man, as long as I can hang with these girls, like there's no way I can't run fast. Um, so I think kind of going into it with that mentality and thinking like, you know, there's a huge chance I'll PR here. The track is fast. I'm in a really good heat. People are really fast. And I think that that really motivated me to, to stay on them and, and stick with it through the end. So. And if you run too flat outdoors, it doesn't always translate to this, but the, the thinking is you probably can break two outdoors. Did you, do you have any idea? It's tough to say because the season got cut short, but how fast do you think you can run maybe in the next year, in the next few months? Like, or do you feel like you're in sub two shape? Um, I would say maybe not in the immediate moment, but um, yeah. I definitely <laughs> feel like that's something that, that's something that, that I, that I can do. I think even towards the end of indoor season, like I was rounding out, I don't know, like, I mean, you can't really say like, oh, I would have done this at, at NCs because you just don't know how the race would have shaped up, like what the environment would have been like. But I definitely felt like I was in better shape than I was in Boston. Um, so I think like that's, it's just going to help me, help motivate me to, to um, train through this period um, and hopefully break two in the future because that is my goal and that's what I really um, am striving for. And I know people have said, you know, if you did that indoor, and you can probably do this outdoors. I'm, yeah. I'm, I need to believe that. So <laughs> it's helping me. <laughs> Who are you excited to race against on the pro circuit? Um, honestly, well, literally anyone, I think. Um, I'm excited to, um, I think, pretty much anyone in, in the eight final last year. Um, and honestly, some people that didn't even, that weren't even in the eight final. Um, I'm just excited to, to toe the line with girls of that caliber more consistently. Um, and then also to just hopefully like go up an event or down an event and, and still be challenged um, equally as much or more so, um, which would be great too. Um, Cause I think you know, I mean, it comes together more for me when I know that I can I can run a good four or a good 15 or a good mile. So um, I'm also excited to race some milers too, especially. So, yeah. Do you think we'll see you in the in the mile and 1500 a bit next year or whenever racing comes back? I think so. Yeah, um, I think that was kind of that was honestly what I was training more towards during this during this period, just because it's, it's a little bit easier to train towards that. Um, just without a track, honestly, when I was in Philly. Um, so kind of training towards the towards the mile and, and moving up and focusing on strength just made more sense anyway. Um, so it's definitely something that I, I want to try in the future and, and hopefully a couple times. So we'll see. And I know you're, you're on the Brooks Beast team, obviously that was announced last week, but I'm wondering now that you're 
out in Seattle, like, are you running with the team right now? Is the group meeting as a, as a whole unit, given the, you know, the COVID restrictions and everything? How, what are the logistics you're going through every day with your running? Yeah, um, I will be training with them. Um, I'm not entirely sure what that looks like yet, but I do know that I have a workout today. Um, so I'm excited and nervous about that. But um, yeah, so I think um, I know that um, during through, throughout this period, they were kind of meeting like one or two people at a time. And I think now we're transitioning to, to meeting more as, as a group, which is kind of another reason why I wanted to come out during this time. Um, just because it's, you know, we're able to do that more so now than, than we were earlier this year. So, yeah. One of the fun things of turning professional is, you know, your first gear drop. Did you get a, a massive truckload of clothes and shoes? <laughs> I, got, I got a lot of shoes and um, I got some clothes and I think um, I was like, wait, 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 don't send me anything because I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming over there and I have to move it all over there. <laughs> So it's more fun to get it here when I don't have to ship it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty excited wearing some of the gear yeah. now, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those $50 bag fees add up a lot when you have <laughs> pairs and pairs of shoes. They do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, out, outside of running, what are you most excited to see or do in Seattle? Hmm. I don't know, maybe just explore. Um, I definitely want to go on a couple of hikes. Um, I hear that's that's going to be quite a scene um, and like maybe check out some mountain ranges because I think every single time I, I drive by like um, everyone's like, oh, that's that mountain and that, that's that mountain. Um, I want to I want to go over there <laughs> um, and kind of like explore. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else. Um, I'm, I'm still learning, I guess. Um, but I think right now just nature walks is, is pretty much all you really can do during COVID-19. So we're going to start there. <laughs> yeah. And are, are you prepared for every teammate to ask you, like, because you're a nursing major, like, hey, so what should I do about this? Or what should I do about that? I mean, does that get a, <laughs> maybe Maybe teammates at Penn already did that. D does that ever get annoying? Uh, yeah, that did happen a lot at Penn. But I don't think that'll happen here because we have a pretty good trainer. <laughs> Sarah's pretty great. So so she gets all those questions. <laughs> don't even have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nia, thank you so much for, for joining us this morning. Uh, I know it's bright and early where you're at, so we really appreciate it. Good luck going forward with the the rest of your, well, I guess, season if there is one. And uh, yeah. congratulations on signing the new contract. Thank you. Thanks so much. It was nice talking to you guys. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Nia. See you soon. All right. That was our guest, uh, Nia Akins, joining us from a rare sunny day in Seattle. Ironically enough, complete thunderstorms here in Austin, Texas. I know, right? Like we switched weather. It was interesting. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, I know. She kept looking outside. I was like, gosh, it is it is so nice and bright out there. Are you sure she's in Seattle? That's not what it looks like there typically. So yeah, that's a good get for the Brooks Beasts. And congrats to her for signing the first pro contract for a 2020 collegian. That's a good, uh, good thing to have next to your name. Yeah, a lot of reasons to be optimistic about her career. You guys talked about it before when she announced going pro. She's going to have an opportunity to train day in, day out with high level, high caliber runners, right? Like, and, and, and at Penn, um, 
when you run too flat in the NCAA, there's not really many people who can train with you, right? That's just sure. that's just common common knowledge. Now she'll have more people to do it. Uh, the the burden of school is off. Although she seems like a person who's going to keep working uh, long hours, regardless. Um, I saw in one interview that said she had a lot. In, you know, when she was at Penn, really had to work around that nursing schedule, especially when she had to do her hours. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of reasons to think. I think she's going to smash two minutes the next full season we get, and I think this is going to be uh, someone who's going to be contending for teams for many, many years to come. Yeah. If, if her degree was any impediment, you would think, you know, getting that, getting that done. And I know she said she's still going to pursue that, but if you are able to get off your feet uh, <laughs> less than you were when you, you know, she was trying to get that nursing degree. Sure. I know she said she's taking her boards and is still planning on, you know, maybe doing a part-time thing, but you know, we know being on your feet, it can take its toll. So you would think uh, an environment with an elevated competition and practice. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think the, the fact that, you know, she's dropped so much time uh, the last couple of years, that's just a really good sign that she's got star potential. Yeah. I think it's just, I think it's just starting for her because yeah, you look at how much she improved from high school to college. You look at still how much, left there is to she's not burned out at this point obviously very very uh very promising next couple years for her certainly i wanted to ask you did you see this hamburg marathon news yeah i just Uh, saw it come across this morning i just started to dive into it uh a little bit it's there's some curious particulars if you want to go over those (laughs) yeah david monty wrote an article about it with those aforementioned particulars. So they're going to go ahead with this Hamburg marathon in Germany, which is going to be in September. There'll be 30 elites. The mass race for the marathon will be capped at 10,000 and there will be 4,000 in the half marathon. They're going to start staggered over a 30 minute window and a thousand people will go at a time, 10 minutes apart. That's how they're going to do it. Um, although I don't know how you get to 10,000 then in 30 minutes, but we'll leave yeah, the math to them. Yeah. That yeah. Work. Maybe I'm that's not, I'm not German good at math. math, not American math. <laughs> I'm not good at math, but, but that does not equal. Anyway, I want to read though, the most interesting paragraph from, from David's story here, which is moreover, all participants will be given a tubular scarf with a breathing filter. These must be worn over the nose and mouth in the event area, including the start and the finish areas. During the race, runners must have these with them and put them over mouth and nose after they cross the finish line. Also, mm-hmm. no open drinks or individual uh, food. I think you should have to put it on before you cross the finish line to add an added degree of difficulty at the at the end. You must pull up your tubular scarf, otherwise your chip time just, just does not end. Well, I kind of thought on the first read, that's kind of what I thought. I was like, well, that's going to be awkward when it's like a, a, you know, a kick finish like we saw last year in the men's Boston Marathon. (laughs) And one guy forgets to put up his tubular scarf. Uh, You know, some faces may be more form-fitting to tubular scarves than others, you know. But it sounds like you just need to put it up right after you get across. Uh, To me, Have you ever heard the term tubular scarf? No, I haven't. This is a first for me. And there's been a lot of firsts in this last, you know, six months. So I've, I've embraced it. But uh, 
No, I've just been going with the mask, but I do see a lot of people with scarves. So I guess they're kind of embracing that that trend. I don't know mm-hmm. tubular. I'm, I'm guessing that just means it doesn't. It stretches like when it's laid out flat. It looks like a tube. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Um, great use of this clues by t- you there. Yeah, great. I just figured that out right in front of you. Thanks for thanks for watching my TED talk. Uh, this seems kind of ill-advised to me. I know they're taking precautions, and I know other countries. I we're, we, listen. We're here in the U.S. where it's we're basically back to back into back into disaster zone. Um, but I'm surprised they're doing this. I mean, the, I know it's great to have sports back in some some way or form, um, but I. Is this really necessary? I guess is my is my question. Like, what you're going through so many precautions, and and uh, well, I don't the know. Thing is, They're though, they do so much year, work to make this happen. Who is asking for the Hamburg Marathon this badly that we need to risk <laughs> an outbreak well, in Germany for this? Well, a couple, yeah. So last year they only had ten thousand and seventy nine finishers, yeah. and this time they're going to allow ten thousand starters. So it's not that dramatic of a number decrease and Mm -hmm. i suppose the thinking is well if we can do this safely while having the same amount of people we they can make the economics work here for this race Uh, this i mean it's germany it's not the u.s i'm not familiar with where they're at i know the bundesliga has been going on for quite a bit there this is a different scenario when you're talking about mass races versus a marathon and the Berlin Marathon is, well, that's in a temporary holding pattern, correct? Because they said uh, it's supposed to be September 27th, and they haven't announced anything. So uh, this could mean potential Berlin Marathon, which could mean bigger name elites. Yeah. I saw the UK today relaxed some of their restrictions. Uh, we're obviously watching that because of the potential Bekele Kipchoge race. Although – Man, I wonder what type of shape these elites are in. We because we talk about track, and it's like, eh, if they show up, they show up, and if they run, yeah, yeah. they get a couple races in. The mar- you're not just going to wander onto the start line of a marathon if you're not prepared yeah. for it, and yeah. also you don't really get that many either. And you have to think: do, do I want to use one of my few marathons in my career? Ilya Kipchoge has several more, so he doesn't need to worry about this. But most mortals, they only have a few. Is this when you're going to want to? use one and do a, a, a truncated preparation or are you going to wait till the spring? Hmm. I wonder about it from the elite side of things. Yeah. I wouldn't worry too much about Kipchoge. Like you said, just because he races twice a year, typically anyways, and he's either running two Oh one in a, in a major or he's running one fifty nine in an exhibition. So he'll show up ready for, yeah, uh, for whatever. My question is with this Hamburg marathon, I didn't read the full press release. So I guess I need to educate myself. Are they going to allow, assuming they're allowing people to fly in from wherever to go to this? I mean, just because, I mean, that's the, res- I'm, I, I'm, they have to follow the, the restrictions of the, yeah. the government. Well, I'm just, right? mean, just because there's like been, gonna, yeah, there's, not there's be been a Hamburg marathon exemption. in the area. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep... Well, no, no, no. And the and the and the question is the question. Yeah, is that you want to keep the cases low? You don't want it to come back, yeah. so you don't want to do yeah. something where it's going to come back. Yeah. Go well, ahead. I think Sorry. of with tennis. Tennis got a lot of grief recently because Novak Djokovic over the weekend or something last week hosted this, you know, abbreviated tournament in Serbia, 
where cases have been low and there's been no restrictions. They had a bunch of people in the crowd watching and lo and behold, several of the tennis players, including Novak Djokovic have now tested positive for the coronavirus. So just because we Mm -hmm. go to a place that's been, that's got the coronavirus under control, doesn't mean an outbreak can't happen. Uh, I I'm, I'm surprised by this and we'll see as we know, everything, everything changes now. This is, to me, kind of a bold announcement of something that's still, you know, two, two and a half months, three months away. Yeah. I could see this not happening. I mean, this, there's yeah. just things are so bad in the U.S. right now. I know people will like to be optimistic. I know the death rate's going down, but it, it, infections are just skyrocketing here. And, and uh, you know, we're not going to be the only country where people make mistakes. I'll be surprised if this happens. I don't. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just not the guy. I don't take this as, oh, this is great news. Sure. Is it great that we can ha- maybe have a running event? Yes, yes. However, it comes with all these caveats. Are we taking unnecessary risk to have a guy come in and run 208 the Hamburg Marathon? It seems like it's right, as of right now, yes. Um, and yeah, I know if, this was, if Gordon Mack was on that, he'd cite his, he'd cite his uh, snake oil statistics. Uh, as to why it's not dangerous but let's face it like can we just like i know all these pro sports are coming back and then every other day it's you know jimmy superstar test positive and seven of his teammates like are we just gonna we're coming to the point where are we just gonna be okay with the coronavirus spreading all over are we just okay with that and people dying because that's what it seems like i I, yeah yeah well this is this is, and we've talked about this before. This is different than other pro events because there's not really any other sport where the masses and the elites mix together yeah. that yeah. closely. Now they yeah. could sit in the stands. You're mentioning Novak Djokovic doing this event where people were sitting in the stands, and that's not that far away. But the same start area, the same finish area, the same course is used by the elites as it is. Mm-hmm. by the mass race but as we talked about before the mass race is what helps fund the elites and yeah. you need that in order to have the mass race you brought up a a good point though this is we're talking about something in september and this is the middle of june yeah. and i think everything is tentative yeah. and the only definites are things that get canceled right <laughs> boston marathon they canceled it we know it's not going to happen in the fall they're not going to put it back on the schedule postponements in this era are still tentative and we could be in a we will be in a completely different place i think in one direction or the other come september and it's not like they can't get to august and then cancel this thing they've already postponed it once they could just do an out and out cancellation but i don't know i don't know enough about what's going on in germany or you're right how many how many people from out of the country typically participate Ten thousand. Yeah. Well, ten thousand people is for a major marathon is not that big. No, that's, that's not not that large of a marathon. I'm guessing most people from the United States, even if they had designs on running a hamburger marathon at some point, if that was on their bucket list, this would not be the, the year, year no. to do it. No. Um, no. Tubular scarves, though. Tubular scarves. It's the year the I'm, tubular scarves. Investing might be investing in the tubular scarf market yeah. yeah i uh you know i know it's outside obviously but you know they talk about the whatever it is the mist you know we create all this this the the water droplets even when we talk i mean 
in those crowds of a thousand, there's going to be people deep, you know, breathing heavily. I just, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm on board with this. <laughs> we will I'm not, not be I'm not going you. to Hamburg for this marathon. I can tell you <laughs> we, that. We will not send you to Hamburg for this marathon, yeah. Lincoln. I, yeah. Thank rest you. assured. I rest don't need assured. to be the Hamburg well, correspondent. I still think it's, you know, U.S. meets, I think, are going to come back. Pro meets are going to come back at some point. I, and I've always wondered, college or road racing? And mm. for a while there, college looked like, like yeah. okay, this will come back before road racing for this exact reason that we're talking about, the, the hurdles that exist with road racing. Now, not so sure about that because on the college side of things, with the football players coming back and everybody's seen that with positive tests and things getting shut yeah. down. So I think both of them are in a tricky spot, but it is noteworthy that this is the first, this would be the first big, mar big ish marathon yeah. that would come back. But from our perspective, as people who are really, really interested in the elite side of things, you're right. It's if you're a big time runner, I don't think you're going to be risking everything no. to run in the Hamburg marathon no. this year. No. No, I mean no, you have. I mean, I mean, yeah. Think of what think of what marathons you have to choose from. Assuming they don't, other ones don't get canceled. You have Chicago, Berlin, London, New York, right? You have mm -hmm. way more than you normally do to choose from. So yeah, I don't know why, but Kaylee's not going to end up at the Hamburg Marathon. I I could be I could eat my words in a in a month or two, mm -hmm. but I don't think he's going to end up there. Yeah. I was going to make a joke about how the Go ahead. running with the coronavirus and wearing alpha flies cancel each other out. So we don't have to worry about shoe takes when you're dealing with a, uh, a disease as such. That's kind of a little insensitive. So I won't do that. I'll just say that I yeah, thought about that. it. Yeah. Don't, don't do, do that. that. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm not for this. Gordon wanted us to talk about this tweet he made about, four by one teams made up of pro mm -hmm. athletes from different sports. Do you want to talk about that now, or do you want to wait until tomorrow and you can talk yeah. about it with him? I'm, I'm so the, the goal of it was to determine which you get four athletes from all the major sports leagues, including like NASCAR and golf. And uh, when I guess yeah. we're not, not major sports, those aren't the major sports. And we're, we're being asked with who's going to win. Isn't it pretty obvious that football would win? I don't understand what the question is. Well, he, he listed the names, and he did it in the font that you see for normal entries. So I think that's uh, – we got to applaud him for that. Uh, he also made a good point yesterday on the podcast. I don't know if you listened to it. So he's gaining some momentum. Some. Gordon is gaining some momentum, just a mm -hmm. very small amount. He's got Team PGA, Team MLB, UFC, NFL, NBA, MLS, NHL, and NASCAR are his mm -hmm. teams. Now, he puts people in here, but they're not necessarily – the best like you wouldn't you would not put lebron james on the nba team no but i think he just i'm gonna did, need guys that, that are six feet tall yeah, yeah he's got no. De'Aaron fox russell westbrook kyrie irving and lebron james also a kyrie irving to lebron james baton pass yeah, would not, be a disaster a that's, that's a drop not gonna work that's not gonna work yeah nfl goodwin ginn jackson hill uh nhl johnny gaudreau taylor hall matt duchenay and connor mcdavid I'm I mean, just a, with a classic NHL four by one there. It's just who could deny. Uh, well, you tell me about this MLB team because you're an MLB guy. Hamilton, yeah. Harper, Trout, Buxton. 
No, you're going to need Trey Turner on that. Hamilton's good. Trey Turner needs to be on that. And is good. Trout's fast, but he's way too big. I forget the, the guy we always talk about that you said you was your favorite Cubs player at the time he was on the oh, Cubs yeah. for a while. I always Gore, forget his right? name because he was on. Uh, yeah, Terrence Gore. He would need to be on there. So it'd be like, it would be uh, Billy Hamilton, Trey Turner, uh, Byron Buxton, and Terrence Gore. That that is a that's a solid group. That's pretty good. They could maybe maybe keep up. I just worry about with the the NFL having Tyreek Hill on the anchor. He's like a legit sprinter. So uh, do they beat do they beat think. Team PGA though? Who has noted sprint extraordinaire Rory McIlroy on their team? <laughs> Why? Why are those guys on there? And there's. There's a Bubba Watson and oh Tiger's on the anchor. You know Tiger. He's known for a comeback or two. Yeah, this is stupid. Why 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 is not professional table tennis on there? Like uh MLS I don't know enough about, but I would yeah. guess they would be decent. Who I guess the question is who gets second? Who gets yeah, second? Yeah, so it's between MLB it, or MLS. I, I would pick the baseball guys. Those guys are really someone fast. wrote someone wrote in a compelling argument at one point on another podcast I do about NHL people being quick and i could see mm. that too just the explosive they know they're on ice version. though right they're not on ice in this one this uh, is gonna be no that's what i'm saying those guys are on ice i mean they would have to be on the ground and like i yeah, think you yeah. take away their skates you lose a little bit of the speed right yeah yeah they're they're definite sub 10 guys on ice i can vouch for that yeah. i've done a couple sub 10s on ice uh yeah me too okay I, I just I don't know I don't know how fast they were in in real life. I think NBA guys, uh, and MLB guys would be would be close. We really like we really get excited about NBA guys, and then we remember the court is ninety four feet long. Yeah, and there's yeah. a there's a long long way to go to get even yeah. to a hundred. And I'm not well with this specific team. Well, I don't know because you, for the MLB team, you also have Mike Trout. And Bryce Harper on there for some reason, just in the same in the same way you have LeBron on there for for some reason, just for I just for eyeballs. Power. I mean, Mike Trout's yeah. fast, but he's a little too. I I need like really quick, quick guys, and I'm not having yeah. Bryce Harper on my team. I think that's a Philadelphia bias there for Gordon. Um, oh, was sure. there a NASCAR team too? Did I did I miss that? Yes. Yep. Chase yeah. Elliott. Chase Elliott leading off. What, what what do you think of that decision to have Chase Elliott there? Uh, that's good. Uh, it's going to be tough restrictor, to run in their, plates their legal sponsor suits. What's that? <laughs> restrictor plates. Yeah, I was just naming everything yeah. I know about NASCAR. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know a lot, but yeah, running in the sponsor suits would be would be interesting. Uh, I will go NFL number one. Now, am I am I doing this based on your team or the teams on here? Oh, that's I'll go a good NBA. Question. I'll go. I'll go NBA. Then I'll go. NHL, then I'll go MLB, just based on these teams. Then I'll go UFC, or sorry, then MLS, UFC, NASCAR, and I'll have PGA getting getting we eighth, but scoring solidly. one point, one point do, for the team competition. I mean, we definitely think last is between NASCAR and the PGA, right? Yeah. yeah. Tiger Woods did oh, run track in high school for a little bit. He did? Okay. Yeah, for a little well, bit. Ran some track. I ran, but I don't know about I ran, bubble walking. I ran, I ran track in high school. That would not yeah. get me anywhere near yeah, yeah. any of these athletes. So uh yeah. yeah, I don't I don't know. Like he he definitely Gordon definitely skewed young on these rosters for mm -hmm. 
PG. Like he could have gone with I don't know who's a who's an old golfer out there. Jack Nicholas. He could have. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't go him. Uh, and they're fit. They're in shape. I just I don't know how much uh, running they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And and similar similarly with the NASCAR, I think outside of track, we always get this when people are arguing with us about how fast someone is. And we're like, no, you can't beat Usain Bolt. And they're like, no, 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 no. They're in really good shape. They run. And you're like, okay, great. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm gl- I'm happy that they run. There's a yeah. long way from they run, they're in good shape, to being faster than the fastest man in the world. Some might yeah. say it's an impossible stretch that you have to make. Even, even someone like, let's just take uh, this NFL team. Let's just take Ted Ginn Jr., Deshaun Jackson, right? It's a long way to go to get from I'm in good shape to I could beat Deshaun Jackson or Ted Ginn Jr., right? Yeah. So NASCAR guy, hey, maybe they can bench uh, 300. Maybe they, they work out. They do cardio. They're ready to go. But you got some serious sprinting in this, in this, in this, uh, in this, in this heat. I'll say it. Yeah. I just would want to know how much work Gordon put into that and uh, what he could have maybe done more productively in the meantime. But you know, Dude, the guy likes to bump his Reddit numbers. It's important to him. So uh, I guess all respect to him there. It's getting it's getting a lot of engagement. Someone said, or this person, maybe they know a lot about UFC, but it says McGregor and Khabib would be wrestling in the exchange zone mid-race. Mm. So that's, that's some... Uh, UFC stuff that I don't know about. Um, oh, someone says Team 8. NASCAR literally goes 200 miles per hour. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, this person, Anthony, says, why would you put Kyrie and LeBron on that list? There's faster people in the NBA. I hear you, Anthony. Yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. I hear you. Step step into mine in Lincoln's world. Um, this Brett right. says 4-2-6, and six, which would be 4-2-6 and six would be uh, NFL – MLB and then MLS. So they have MLS up there. I'll admit, uh, I think MLS would do really well in a four by eight. I think they would do really well hmm. in a four by eight. Yeah. That's they say they yeah. run like 10 miles a game or five miles a game. You know, one of those two, one of those miles, <laughs> mile number. Yeah. I always we used to hear that from in high school about, yeah, well, we're, we're in cross country shape because we run seven miles a game or whatever from my high school friends. But, uh, you know, but that put you that know what the they chest sh- or by it. You know what they should have done? Put split this up into two heats. Put the NFL with three other teams in one heat. The second heat, like add bolt to like the PGA team or something like that. There you go. That way Ted go. Ginn that way Ted Ginn can say he beat Usain Bolt again, even though they're in separate <laughs> heats on a relay. <laughs> we could do that again. He is, uh, he will die on that one, won't he? Uh, he's, he, uh, the, the separate heat beating Usain Bolt thing is a, is a thing. In a relay. That I never thought I would hear. In a relay. In a relay. In a relay is pretty unfathomable, unfathomable. But yeah, I guess if we get Bolt on the PGA team, uh, you know, the Bolt to Bubba off. Watson. I mean, Bubba Watson to Usain Bolt is the handoff. I didn't know I needed, but I would love to see it. <laughs> That's a clickbait headline if I've ever heard yeah. it. Um, any other sports that you'd like to add to this? Yeah. I like to add Let's track, see. personally. Track. 
to this. Wow. See, I they say don't you don't think of the obvious things for what's the what's the most obvious place you should look there and then you you yeah. just went ahead and said it. Yeah. You know, even if we have Swimming. to take out our friend, our friend Christian Coleman, who may be provisionally suspended, I think Track's got a pretty good shot at winning this four by one. Yeah, um, yeah, you could just do, you'd run this a uh, two two by two, and they'd be fine. Uh, swimming, yeah. you want to throw swimming in there? We could do oh, well. Well, tennis. We talked tennis earlier on the pod. Um, well, Andy Murray's Andy Murray would you know on your show? Ooh, Andy Murray, yeah, legendary speed. His his trainer once said he has the fastest first ten meters ever recorded. So yeah. this is a real quote. People can go look that up. That was said <laughs> and written down <laughs> because we all have been out there taking our ten meter ten meter splits. Andy wow. Murray, I don't know. <laughs> go, oh, stop. Okay, <laughs> just incredible first step. What about your second step? Don't need it. I'm only going ten. Yeah. I'm only going ten. Don't worry no, about no, no need for that. No need for that second step. Nothing uh, good happens after ten meters. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the saying is. Yeah. I guess we should leave it there. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, All right. And thanks, Ania Akins, for joining us. But, well, I started reading something on my phone. And I forgot I was on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast name is the Flowjack Podcast. Flowjack Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, Gordon yes. and Lincoln will be on tomorrow, and we took Oof. away most of the topics Wait. for tomorrow. So they're going to be <laughs> flying blind. It's going to be great unless something happens between now and then. Yeah. All right. We'll you see. Excited you. For, you excited for that one? Uh, I just see regret in your face. Gordon is we, we'll debate whether grass is green or the sky is blue. So we can always find things to talk about. It's good. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys next time.